0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the podcast. I'm back to chat about K drama with you all this week. Hope everyone has been well. Um, I'm going to dive right into it because I've got a pretty fun one, actually, I think, to chat about today. Uh, this is My Roommate is a Gumiho. Uh, so I've super enjoyed this K drama. Um, so it's called My, My Roommate is a Gumiho, is the English title. And the direct translation from Korean is apparently Frightening Cohabitation. Which is a funny title. <laughs> I guess my roommate is a gummy ho. Is more explanatory, let's say. <laughs> so, this drama came out in 2021. Uh, It is 16 episodes long and I want to say fantasy romance, major rom-com vibes. I think it's shot really well. Like it's actually quite good quality. I think it's not like it's a super fluffy, nice drama, um, but it's kind of slick as well. I think it's shot really well. It looks really gorgeous. The people in it obviously look really gorgeous. Um, And when I kind of think Back on it, after you know having finished watching it, I'm kinda like, wasn't a lot of plot was there was there a plot <laughs> i mean there's a there's a vague plot, but realistically, you're just following this like charming set of people interacting on a college campus and in a rich man's house, and it's enough to sustain you for sixteen episodes, which I think you know that's pretty cool that's a pretty cool feat, I think um For me, this K-drama didn't really do that rom-com 16 episode thing where it always runs out of steam. I felt like they introduced a few kind of interesting hurdles for our characters to get over. Um, And yeah, in hindsight, really not a lot of plot. But I think that, I think the characters are charming enough to carry it. And I think... I don't know. I really gobbled this one up, I guess. Um, I have to say, take that with a lit, like, you know, it's not a perfect drama. I did have like a few little like, eh, whatever's about it. But on the whole, I actually fucking loved this. (laughs) I really did. It's just really charming and fun and nice. And to be fair, I was in the mood for fluff. Like all I wanted was sweetness and niceness. And I wanted like heavy romance and, you know, romantic hijinks kind of stuff. So I must say this K-drama probably hit a spot that I wanted like right then when I picked it up. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really good. Um, Did I mention it was based on a webcomic? I reckon I did. But who knows? I said it again. Um, So the reason that I picked this drama up... Um, I guess I was interested in it from the first, you know, when I first heard about who was in it and what it was going to be about, I always find hose quite interesting and a lot of fun. And I do like, I don't know, it's such a classic trope, isn't it? Like ordinary, usually girl, ordinary girl falls in love with supernatural old man. <laughs> I feel like this is a trope where if you interrogate it too closely, you would just, Inevitably gonna end up going, yuck! <laughs> yuck! He's 999 years old and she's only twenty. But um, you know, just don't think about it. It's fine. <laughs> He's really young and handsome looking. So it's fine. Um, I have to say, yeah, that it did come up at one point in this drama for me where I was like, hmm, hmm. But on the whole, like, just just really fun, but also Oh, I want to say really beautiful to look at. Um, That's (laughs) both the cast and, you know, the way it's shot and filmed. But, you know, particularly the cast, I think (laughs) they're all very pretty looking people. Uh, so I guess I picked this up because I wanted something fluffy. The premise certainly appeals to me. Like I am such a sucker for you know cohabitation dramas. Like stick two people together in a small space, and basically I'm there. I'm gonna watch that shit no matter what it is. And if you make one of them like a weird old gummy ho, that's pretty cool too. I like it. Um, so for me the casting was. Both uh, kind of like drew me in and also, I want to say, kind of repelled me. And now looking back on that, I'm like, ooh, because it's very interesting. Um, so the, the lead actor in this, um, the main male lead role is played by the actor Jung ki So Junkie Yong is, uh, he has sort of like a side sort of, I want to say it's not a cameo role, but more of a side character role in the very big drama, My Mister with IU. Um, And he plays sort of like this really fucking scary and awful, petty, criminal gangster guy who you hate, but also, you know, what a pretty face. Very confusing (laughs) watching that but yeah, you have to hate him because he, he, he's a, he's a woman basher. That's what he was. Um, very weird. Um, anyway, he was in that. Um, but actually the first drama that I ever saw the actor Jung Kiyong in was Come and Hug Me, which was a drama from, I can't actually remember what year that one came out. And it is, I guess it's a melodrama romance, realistically. Um, it, I loved it, actually. I was obsessed with that drama. Um, but I don't think I finished it, which sounds really weird. Uh, I feel like there was some reason I think maybe like the episodes got postponed because maybe there was some sort of, you know, annoying sports game on. (laughs) And then by the time they came back around, I'd moved on to other things and I kept meaning to go back and never did. Um, that's actually one on my list for rewatching, but I did get very near to the end. Um, and I really loved it. So in that drama, Come and Hug Me, Jung Yong basically plays um, a young man who's severely traumatized by the fact that, you know, growing up, his father was literally a terrifying serial killer and an awful person who, you know, murdered his love's entire family. That's not really a spoiler. That's just the premise. Um, but it's it's a great drama. I loved it. So I really, really love Jung Yong after seeing him in that drama, um, but I hadn't really, you know, watched him in heaps of other stuff. I know he's actually been in quite a few dramas since then, but none, I guess, kind of had a premise that fully, fully appealed to me. Uh, he's in Kill It, which is um, kind of like a hitman drama that I do really want to watch. I watched like the first episode ages ago and really liked it, but for whatever reason, got distracted. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. When I heard he was in this, I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I like that casting. And then I heard who the female lead was. And this is really interesting to me now. So Harry, um, Harry uh, is, I think she's in a, is it Girl's Day? Um, again, I don't know too much about K-pop, so please forgive me. And I didn't look it up properly. Um, but she was in Reply 1988. And that was a drama that I absolutely loved, but also I felt like I'd been punched in the face after I finished watching it. And I feel like it was one of my, one of my many (laughs) most severe kind of like K-drama traumas (laughs) that's lasted for years and years after watching that drama. Oh my gosh, that drama killed me. So she had the lead role in that. And I didn't love her in it. Like, she's very cute in it, but I didn't really connect with her. And so I didn't walk away from that drama. Probably, you know, maybe because I didn't agree with her choice of who she ended up falling in love with and my heart got broken. Um, But that's a whole different story. (laughs) Um, But I think also maybe the reason I didn't connect so much with Harry in that drama in hindsight, I think it's like, it's probably one of the only, you know, all that reply series dramas to me, I think they're amazing. I love them. They're so addictive, but they do have this slight fault, I think, through trying to hide who, you know, is the husband and who the main character is going to end up with, I think kind of stops you from fully understanding what that female lead character is actually thinking at any given time, because they're trying to keep her feelings a secret from you. So I felt like I didn't get to fully fully connect with her character and unfortunately I have this really terrible thing because <laughs> I'm an idiot I guess where I watch someone being a, you know playing a character that maybe I don't connect with or I don't like this character and I walk away from that thinking I don't like the person who played them which is terrible isn't it oh how stupid um well once again i 've been proved completely wrong. Carrie um, in this is so fucking amazing that she became the i know I was about to say the sole reason to watch it it 's not this is a really fun show there 's heaps of cool reasons to watch this show, but for me, Carrie carries it she 's just so good in this. I loved her she 's absolutely adorable and I don't know, so full of life and so charming. And it's like every second she has like a thousand different emotions, like just running across her. And her performance is like, I want to say really physical as well in terms of the comedy. I felt like she's just throwing herself around the place. The expressions on her face just made me laugh and giggle and just adore her. I think she's so good in this. Um, she also has just such a lovely, kind of like charming and also hilarious smile, like all teeth and it's freaking lovely. And of course, my cat has turned up to, you know, it's just, it's podcasting time. So here she is sitting on the corner of the desk wondering why she's not being fed. But it's three hours before feeding time, but she knows that I'll give in just so she'll go away. Um. So yes, Harry is in this and she's so good. Um, it's really interesting to me because I watched, um, I never remember what that drama's called, but like Dodo La La Sol Sol Dodo La uh, with Goara. And I feel like I just had the exact same experience, you know, like <laughs> you're someone who I didn't connect with basically from the Reply series and then seeing them in this kind of role and just falling in love completely. And um, Carrie's just, oh, I loved her in this. So, there's some other characters I'll mention or casting I'll uh, talk about. Um, sort of a second male, a second female lead, but there's no love line. Um, well, she has her own, like, kind of side character love line played by the actress Kang Han Na. So, Kang Han Na, I've seen in a bunch of stuff. And I guess this woman has, this actress has sort of been typecast. So it was really interesting to me to see her in this. She plays a a different kind of character. She's very cute. Um, I guess I should say so. uh, Kang Han Na had a second female lead role in Startup, where she was criminally underused. Um, She plays Susie's sister, you know, cold and elegant and in control. Uh, she also played that basically exact same character in one of my favorite dramas of all time, Just Between Lovers, uh, which is so good. And she plays, you know, a cold, calm, elegant lady. Um, and she just, you know, <laughs> she that's her thing, I guess. And she's very beautiful and very elegant. So I guess that's why she gets kind of typecast. So it's really fun to see Kang ha Na in these. She's very cute and clueless and but also beautiful and elegant at the same time. So I had a lot of fun with that. Um, And then the second male lead where there is there isn't really a true real love triangle um, because he, you know, falls in love with a female lead, but she realistically does not (laughs) look at him more than she absolutely has to at any point in the drama. Uh, but this is played by a dude that I hadn't seen before. His name, uh, the actor's name is Ben Hyuk. Uh So Ben Hyok has been in a couple dramas. Um, he's in um, one that's like super new in 2021 called At a Distance, Spring is Green, which is like a youth drama. I think he plays the second male lead in that as well. Um, and he's also in like a little, a little like web drama or webtoon drama that my friend Lizzie told me about, which, you know, look, I- I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I might be going on some sort of K-drama journey around K-drama land, checking out <laughs> this random guy's other dramas now. I really, really liked him in this. Um, I thought Ben Hyuk was great. Yes, it- he is very handsome. It's true, <laughs> but that's not why I'm watching all his old weird dramas. Of course not. <laughs> why would I do that? I'm not that kind of woman. Uh, but I am because this drama Kiss Goblin that he's in is, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a really low quality and I'm still watching it. So yeah, I guess it's cause he's handsome. I'll admit it. Um, how embarrassing. Anyway, (laughs) Ben Hyuk plays the second male lead and I really liked this character, not just because he was so handsome, but for other reasons too. (laughs) I think he has a really great kind of like growth journey in the drama, which I'll talk about later. Um, So the actor Go Gyeong-pyo Uh, I'm sure I pronounced that incorrectly, Um, who's in heaps of shit, but also was in Reply 1988. So it's a bit of a reunion for him with Harry. Um, But he just has like a little cameo as a weird white wearing mountain spirit who just sort of pops up, is vaguely threatening, pretends to be a cat at one point. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. (laughs) I really liked this bit. Just, you know, jumping right into the drama now, but there is literally this bit where you think there's this evil cat, like, <laughs> stalking them. <laughs> and it's this, like, be- like I'm a cat person, all right, but it's this beautiful, fluffy-looking, Persian, squashed face, white cat, and they keep showing it with, like, this blue, like, I'm doing finger umlauts, like, scary filter, <laughs> staring in the window, and there's, like, creepy music, but it's still just this, like ridiculous hilarious squash face cat i all i'm saying is i've never seen anything less scary in my life (laughs) so that was fun i really enjoyed that um he really, you know, it's just a cameo role. He just sort of turns up and he's their spirit guide, I guess, and tells them what to do, solves some problems. Um, and then there's some more side characters. Um, so the actor Kim Do-won plays um, the main character, or well, Harry's character's best friend, and her other best friend is played by an actress called Park Kyung-hae. Yeah. He. Uh, and I really liked both of them. They were both good, and they kind of have significant roles, I think, for sort of side friend characters. Um, so just before I get into the setup of... I nearly said My Girlfriend is a ho That's a different show. This is My Roommate is a Gumiho. Um, I did see My Girlfriend is a ho, actually. It was kind of old, because it's from a while ago, um, but I enjoyed it. That one has Shinmina and... Isongi. And yeah, one of my first dramas, maybe. Hmm. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. What I was going to ask is, should you watch it? Um, Or you guys are asking me? I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm all over the place. Yeah, this is a great drama. Um, It wasn't perfect for me. I think that it's kind of like one of those things where I just thoroughly enjoyed everything while I was watching it there's nothing that was like kind of wrong with the drama when I was watching it at all. I think even pacing wise, this, this, it does really well. It doesn't spin its wheels too much. Like the very end, really, like the last episode, I want to say things are resolved very easily. And, you know, you don't feel like you really enjoy the happy ending, but I don't think it's earned with the kind of trauma that maybe I was expecting, which sounds kind of weird. Um, but I think it's it's really easy to watch, but it is like a a level of quality higher than just you know likable or watchable like there is stuff in this that's really good and that really, really worked for me. It's just more that in hindsight, I'm like, huh, like that was really a drama that was literally carried by the charm of the characters interacting, and there wasn't really anything else happening. But that's fine because I loved it. I really, really liked it. I think that if you're a, if you, you know, if you like the kind of romancy fantasy kind of dramas, then definitely check it out. Um, but I think if you're just in the mood for like an actual good, solid rom com, then it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, it has all the nice tropes and I don't know, but yeah, definitely like a, a cut above, you know, just it's not just average fit. I think it's actually quite good. Is that what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop waffling because um, I'm getting lost in my own words. And instead, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the story of my roommate is Gummy Ho. All right, so this K drama, I can't actually remember what like how it opens. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what it's about? Um. So, Harry, our female lead, plays a character called Edam. Uh, so, Edam is a university student. She's studying Korean history, which, frankly, I wish I was fucking studying Korean history at a university. How cool. Uh, I... D- Personally, (laughs) I could have done with um, more focus on her obsession with history, particularly, you know, she literally meets a dude who's lived through the entirety of history. And if that had been me, you know, Joseon and Goyo history, I I would have asked him, you know, I would have asked him a few questions. (laughs) That's what I would have done. But also, that's not what this drama was about. So that's totally fine. So Edam is, you know, she lives at home with her brother. I loved her brother. I loved their whole kind of like bickering relationship. I loved the fact that her brother is younger than her, but he's like twice as big as her. And he's, you know, she's supposed to be the older sister taking care of him. But literally, all she does is come home drunk in the middle of the night, And then he has to kind of clean up after her and he has to cook her breakfast every single day. (laughs) So I really liked their kind of weird vibes. I thought it was really nice. Um, I I just felt like their whole sibling thing felt really good. Um, So Iram lives at home with him because their mom is sort of like, I don't know, she's a jet setter. She's like she's a model or who knows anyway so she's always off doing other stuff and the whole family motto which I thought was hilarious was something like take care of your own stuff yourself (laughs) it wasn't really worded like that it was slightly different but I thought that was very very funny so whenever she's kind of like wants to call her mom or moan like the that's literally the family motto motto is just like fucking deal with that shit yourself (laughs) very good So she is a really tight-knit group of friends. Um, She has – one of her best friends is a dude called Jejin, who I really liked his character in this drama. He's like – he's – yeah – He's just gone through like a string of breakups, I suppose, where he's ended up heartbroken, devastated, crying. And the drama really like begins with him again being dumped and heartbroken and him wanting to text his, you know, his ex-girlfriend and all this kind of stuff. And he's two best friends that are both women. Um, so that's our main character, Idam and this other best friend, this woman called Sukyong, and they're all studying together at uni. Um you know, and they've obviously been through this shit with, with Jejin like a million times. Um, but I really liked him. I liked his character, I found him very sweet but I found that the whole the friendship the three have felt really like lived in and believable I felt like they got a lot of screen time to really flesh out Idam's you know a female lead's life and her character and how she interacts with people and and what her whole vibe is I really really liked it and I think um I don't know about so much about Soo Kyung, who's the best friend, who's a woman. Um, She sort of has like, sort of a little bit of story, but not actually much really. And jejin um, the guy gets quite a lot because he ends up sort of having a love line with the second female lead, um, Hye Son, who's played by the actress Kang Ha Na. So she's a Gumi Ho, or she's A recent human who was a gumiho and knows nothing about anything. Um, But Jejin, I think I liked Jejin because he was a different kind of male character, maybe. Like, he's just very, like, sensitive and sentimental and he just cries, but not in, like, you know, not in a manly sort of way, just in a like, he, he just wears his heart on his sleeve and he is the way he is. Edam is his best friend in the world. So Sukyong, but it's very platonic between the three. And again, I, I kind of like that, even though like, man, I am such a sucker for like friends to lovers as a trope. I love it. But at the same time, it was kind of nice, you know, just seeing them as this really solid friend group who... I don't know like all the interactions and the problems they have with each other are around like mainly Edam like keeping her secrets and stuff um about having a boyfriend. Anyway, I'm sort of like going all over the place and I think it's because yeah, there's not a lot of story really to go through and it it is just this really character-based, character-driven narrative really. Um, where the main sort of storylines truly are about character growth or character, you know, relationship development between people. Um but anyway, I really love this like little friendship group. So Idam is, you know, she's out drinking with her best friends, Jae Jin and Sugyong, and everyone is getting like bonkers drunk. <laughs> So I gotta say, I also like this. Uh, Idam is, she's a drinker. She drinks a lot. And, you know, she's at uni. She's at college. That's, I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of people do Um, at that stage in their life. You know, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Might have done some of that myself. Wasn't soju, though. It would have been nice if it had been. Um, That was not a thing I knew about back then, sadly, for me, growing up in the middle of nowhere, where there wasn't any soju. Anyway. Um, So Jejun is like, he's ridiculously drunk. I think Idam's a bit drunk, but she's not like messy, messy drunk like him. So she's kind of like dragging him home, Um, you know, like kind of half carrying him down the street. And he's just being a general pain in the ass and talking about like, you know, wanting to call his ex-girlfriend and she's trying to stop him. Um, and you get the impression that this is like, this is this is a well-worn dynamic. Like um, this friendship has been exactly like this for a very long time. Uh, so Idam has no, patience left, but also she'll do anything that Jejin needs her to. It's very nice kind of um, friendship, I think. Um, So Jejin, I don't know, he like, maybe he collapses on like a cool looking sports car or he vomits on it. I don't really know. Um, Can I just also just as an aside mention before I forget that the male lead in this, Jung Yong's character, um, who is Wuyo, that's hard for me to say. Who's the gummy ho? Uh, Uyo the gummy ho. Um, anyway, he has the most fucking monstrous looking pickup truck ute thing that I have ever seen in my life, and is completely and utterly unnecessary for a history writing gummy ho living in metropolitan Seoul to have. It was insane, um, but I think he has a different car at the start, and maybe it's because Jejin vomits on this other cool sports car that Uyo, the Gumiho, goes off and buys his big fucking Ute. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, so Jejin, I'm pretty sure he like, I don't know, he bangs into the car, maybe he breaks it a bit, maybe he just vombs on it maybe all those things happen. And um, Idam is like trying to, I don't know, she's trying to pick him up or something. And then the owner of the car, who's Uyo, is like right there. So Uyo is our main male lead. Uh, He's the Gumiho and he's just a rich, handsome, kind of real, I want to say stoic, but it's not quite the right word because he smiles a lot. He's not... He's just really, like, reserved and really quiet, and he's not, like, super, like, exp- you know, like, louder than life in the way that Idam is, where she sort of wears everything on her face. So um, I do find it really interesting, Uyo, you know, we kind of, as we delve a little bit deeper into his character, um, it's just this idea around, you know, if you live forever and you've seen everything you know, what really is there <laughs> to get excited about, you know, like he is literally living life removed from life. And I liked that. I liked that a lot. I like, like, I love those ideas. I think that stuff is fascinating. i um, I think as humans, we're so obsessed by the idea of immortality, like it's so fucking appealing all the time. We're so obsessed with the idea of eternal, you know, supernatural beings and all this kind of stuff. But I love that idea of like, if you really delve into that kind of myth or that idea of eternity or living forever, like, would it truly be that crash hot? (laughs) I really don't think it would. I don't think it would. And I so sw- I love those ideas. I wouldn't say this drama is the place <laughs> that they get explored in any de- depth whatsoever. Um, but it is kind of touched on once or twice that I did. I really liked. Um, there's this beautiful scene that I did like. Um, I'm just jumping around here, but Idam, Um, you know her relationship with Uyo when they first meet is very like you know, it's not bickering on his side, but more her side. Um, but there's this moment, I guess, their first moment of like actual connection and she begins to realise that he's actually really old and he's lived a lot of lives. And, you know, she's excited as a human would be like, Whoa, what's that like? You know, what's it like to have seen everything you've seen and live forever? And he just like Oh, I loved it. He just sort of has no you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this kind of like expression. It's just this, he's just mild. Everything about him is super mild. He's just not getting involved, I guess, emotionally. And he's just like, you know, he's not upset about it. He's not happy about it. And he's just like, "Mm, you know, nothing. It feels like nothing. And then that's kind of like the first point, I think, where Idam gets like, you know, a deeper understanding or a level of emotion from him that it makes her think about him in a very different way. But I really love that idea, like, what does it feel like to live forever? Like, it feels like nothing, you know, I don't know, I really, really liked it. But, you know, jumping back to the start of the drama, where I'm supposed to be starting from with the story, (laughs) Uh, so drunk Jejin kind of vomits on the car, and Edam's trying to pick him up, but instead of picking him up, she drops him, and then she swings around, and then uh, Uyo, who's, like, watching from the shadows, like kind of grabs her or whatever and they're falling they're all falling on each other in this kind of like weird human sandwich which is pretty funny um and he the gumiho uyo kind of vomits up his gumiho bead um but it's you know it's done romantically because it's like kind of slowly pops out of his mouth and it's glowing and it flies through the air into idam's mouth so you wouldn't want to say vomit because it's the wrong word. So it's um very slow and shiny and lovely. Um, but Idam swallows his gummiho bead thing. <laughs> so I want to say the gummiho lore kind of had me a little bit confused in the drama. Uh, but I think that might be. It's probably like a cultural thing. You, know, I did not grow up hearing about Gumiho's or Gumiho stories or all that kind of stuff. But obviously, I think in Korea um, or, you know, a lot of countries where Gumiho myths or similar kind of myths exist, I think there's just a lot of assumed knowledge around Gumiho's in the same way as, you know, in my country. If you were going to, you know, make a movie about a vampire, you don't need to explain that shit. Like everyone just knows. So I think that the fact that I didn't fully, fully get you know, the bead was in, in Edam's stomach, but it's like gathering energy for Uyo, I think, but then he can take it back whenever he wants. And then that'll like sustain him for longer. So he's kind of like a vampire in his own energy sucking bead way. Um, so I didn't fully, fully, like, I didn't fully get it. I suppose why he was like, Oh, I, I wanted to, Oh no, I shot my, I shot my little Gumiho tab. Oh, well. um, I didn't really fully get why he wanted her to come live in his house, you know, why he couldn't take the beat out immediately and why he was so sad about the fact that in a year it would kill her he could just take it out at any point. I felt like slightly confused by all of that but also I feel that it didn't matter I you know I picked it up as I watched more maybe I just missed something when it was being explained or maybe it is assumed knowledge and it's not really something that needed to be explained in this context because maybe most you know watchers, particularly you know domestically in Korea already know these things I don't know um and also it didn't really matter to be honest um So, yeah, uh, Idam kind of wakes up the next day and I think she's feeling real sick. She's, like, all over the place and in the end, you know, like – I think she goes, oh, she wakes up in his house or something, I think, because, he, you know, she's got his bead. So he's just not letting her go off and do her own thing. So it's quite funny. Like, you know, she wakes up on his couch. He's sitting there, just like staring at her like a big, handsome weirdo. Um, and then he proceeds to just tell her straight. He's like, I'm a gummy hoe and you've got my bead in your stomach. <laughs> like, you have to live here in my house. And it's actually really, really liked this very, very funny, straight up, like, way of telling her the truth. I thought that was very, very amusing. Um, And I kind of like the idea of it even more when I think about him. You know, he is 999 years old. Like, I'm pretty sure he knows that people, you know, are going to react weirdly to this. So I very much enjoyed this very matter of fact way that he says it. Um, So they have to basically end up living together. Um, And at first, of course, there's all sorts of, you know, hijinks. And Idam is just generally fucking hilarious nonstop. And Uyo is just generally perplexed by everything she does, but little by little, more and more charmed. And I think Idam is very charmed by him because, (laughs) because, Because the actor Jung Kyung has like very pretty eyes, maybe I think (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's more than just his eyes. But (laughs) what what else is it? He's very suave and charming, and I think it's an interesting thing because at the beginning there is this interesting thing I suppose about him. When I think about it, you know he isn't human. And there's a couple of instances in the drama where they try and sort of explore this idea that he's never been human. Like, I think that most supernatural, eternal beings that we watch in like fantasy dramas are people that were human once. They've lost their humanity. They no longer have access to their humanity. They've become something else. But it's like, it was there originally. Like, they can tap back into that eventually, usually with the female lead's help. But in this drama... There was no humanity. He feels different emotions to humans. He sees the world differently to humans. He doesn't have the same kind of empathy or understanding of things, of looking at the world the way that humans do. And I think that is super, super interesting. Um, And I think comes out a few times in the drama where, you know, Edam is very scared of him at first in a very hilarious way. Um, Like, it's very much played for comedy. But then there are moments in the drama where he does sort of do something that reminds you oh, he's. He's not human, like he doesn't know. Um, so, there's this scene where um, Idam's little brother and also Jejin um, kind of realize that she's lying. She's not actually staying at some random friend's house that they don't know. She's staying with some dude in this big, rich dude house. So, they turn up, they basically break in, they're like sitting on the couch, they're about to attack him, um, Yo the, gu- the gu- gummy I mean. And Yo just sort of like freezes time, wipes their memories, and makes them disappear back home. And Idam is horrified because she's like you know how what have you wiped from their heads and oyu is uh uuyo <laughs> fuck this guy's name sorry uyo the gummy home maybe i'll just call him the gummy home uh he You know, he's so perplexed and he's just like, oh, well, you know, I just wiped today. The whole day is gone from their memories just to be safe. And I thought this was really interesting because she, you know, Idam is horrified. She's like, you don't know what they could have gained today. You know, this might have been... A day that had meaning, something special could have happened today. Um, and it's this very human way to look at it because humans have such limited time. To take away our experiences and our time is horrifying. Um, but, you know, the Gumiho doesn't really understand that. And we see at the very end of the drama, he's still doesn't understand this aspect of being human which is kind of interesting when you think about it. The whole crux of the drama at the very end, just jumping to the very end, is that Idam, you know, thinks that he's disappeared into nothing, like thinks that he's dead basically. And she's offered the chance to wipe her memories of him and she chooses not to. She nearly does because she's in so much pain. She's basically grieving the death as far as she knows of this man that she's in love with. Um, But she chooses to keep her memories because the idea is, you know, she doesn't want to lose what they did have. She doesn't want to lose those memories. They're precious. Um, And in the end, you know, that's the whole crux that his entire life is hanging on this thread of, you know, he needs to have someone who loves him, who remembers him, who wants him, who's waiting for him. And so he's able to come back to life or whatever. But he's the one who offered, like, he's still, it's kind of an interesting thing now that just now that I'm saying it, I'm like, huh, is that not like a theme of the drama about memory and and humanity? And then, yeah, at the end, he still doesn't really get it. Huh. I think this is not really. This is a fun, frothy, cute, sweet drama. And the romance sucked me in. The character interaction sucked me in. But I do don't think that it's, like, got this deeper, like, discussion around themes or, you know, humanity or immortality or anything like that, which is fine. Like, gosh, not all dramas have to be like that, and it's certainly not something that you know, you feel as lacking when you're watching the show. It's just more when I'm trying to like grasp onto these like threads of theme in this discussion, I'm kind of like pulling and realizing (laughs) there's nothing at the end of this thread. Or maybe there is and I'm not seeing it. Anyway, who knows? Um, so basically they're, they're living together. Oh, and then, you know, um, Yeah. So they're living together. Edam is under the impression that she has a year to live before this this bead basically eats her alive, all her energy, and she dies. And this seems to be true. But the thing that was confusing to me, so you realize that The Gumiho knows that he can take the bead out of her at any point, but he's only got like another year or something before he's either going to disappear into nothing, turn into an evil spirit, or if he's lucky, become human. And he thinks that the more energy he collects from humans, the more, you know, he'll turn into a human. So he's very keen to leave this bead inside her and basically having her live with him like his own little human sandwich, I suppose, to sustain him. Which, when you fucking think about it, that is dark as fuck. Like, he's like, oh, I'm just gonna let her keep this bead for a whole year and watch her slowly fade away so I can eat her energy. Wow, that's dark. Um, And so she's, like, kind of pestering him all the time. She's like, have you figured out how to get this fucking bead out of me? I don't want to die in a year. And eventually we realize that he does know how to take the bead out. He knows he can take it out at any point. But taking the bead out means that you wipe her memories. And so the whole reason that he's kind of not doing it now is because he's falling in love with her and he doesn't want her memories of him to disappear. He wants to keep her in his life. He's having fun for like the first time since his, his old girlfriend died because he didn't take the bead out of her stomach and she slowly died in the Joseon era, which, you know, it's pretty fucked up. He could have taken the bead out a bit earlier, like a day earlier. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that's basically it. It's a cohabitation drama. She's uh Idam's off at school the whole time and there's all sorts of mad interactions at school. Heaps of really like I found really interesting stuff with the second male lead and like that kind of uh, I don't know like uni sort of boyo sort of culture of of just I don't know, not great stuff towards women like that kind Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. That's the story. The setup is really, you know, getting them to live together. They're trying to hide it from, you know, all of her very invasive friends. Um, There's the second female lead who sort of plays a a very funny and I think very likable kind of foil relationship with um, the Gumiho main dude. Um, And really the whole, like, the story is how can they be together and how can he turn human? But also... I guess, just general romantic hijinks, realistically. And then there's this weird thing where he becomes her professor for a bit, which I'll talk about later. So I think that's probably enough of the setup. Like, it really just rolls on from there. Um, and I'm going to talk next about the stuff that I loved about my roommate, Home. All right. So stuff that I loved about my roommate is a Um I think number 1 for me about this show or yeah, the thing that I probably loved the most um was Harry. Um I think she is just gold in this. I liked her so much. She oh, she just felt like larger than life, I suppose. Um very very beautiful to look at, but this very like physical funny Charming and very adorable kind of performance. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I, I think it was really good too, because I think, you know, if you're doing that whole supernatural being romance thing, you know, we're talking about someone who's been alive for 999 years and has fallen in love once you know, during a time of stress, as in the Imjin War back in the the 1590s, and didn't look like he talked to that lady, you know, a huge amount. Um, They had a very quiet romance. But I think it's this whole thing of like, how do you really create, you know, a female character? Usually they're female, like Bella from bloody, what's it, Twilight. And how do you make that character believable as someone that could, you know, be fallen in love with by by some sort of supernatural being that has doesn't even know what love is, basically. Like, what is it about this girl that could possibly make her so special? Um, so I really liked this character of Idam because I did feel like it made sense to me that Gumiho Uyo falls in love with her. I, that felt real. It didn't feel like you know, like, why her? Or there's a supernatural reason, you know, that it has to be her and no one else because she has a supernatural specialness to her or whatever. Like, Edam doesn't have a supernatural specialness to her. She is an average girl, but she is this fucking charming average girl. She's lovely and she's loyal and she's a good person, but she's also just like so sparkling and fun. And I can, it felt real to me that having her in his sort of, you know, very cold, calm sort of house, just sort of shaking shit up, would get under his skin. And that I really liked it. I guess I liked the fact that I could believe in the romance because it makes it more romantic if you believe like it feels real like of course she was gonna fall for him like he's a fucking supernatural shiny man with handsome eyes like he's of course, she would, you know. He's perfect as a human, <laughs> but like he's got this extra, like, insane allure, like, as if she's gonna not fall in love with the gummy ho guy who is clearly falling in love with her. Like, but the opposite, I think, is a lot harder to write, you know. Why does he fall for her? And in this case, I'm like, yeah, I'd fall for her. She's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I really, really loved her. Um, what, what, oh, yeah. Uh, so the next thing on my list, um, I think the other thing I really, really loved about this drama is actually the way that it looks. I think it looked really just crisp and clean and beautiful. Um, there's a lot of gorgeous shots. Like, it, you know, it's a, it's a good looking drama, I suppose. But the thing that I really noticed and loved, it, does, it did this really weird thing where, you know, if, if a couple are like, you know, having a romantic scene or having an interaction or whatever in this in a drama. And the camera is always like kind of angled from the side. So you can kind of see most of their face, but you're still... the side and this drama has these like mad full-on face-on headshots where you know they're basically looking directly at the camera as they you know say their lines or whatever and what you get is this really for me like weirdly intimate kind of I don't know where you know you've got someone like the actor Jung Keong saying his love lines directly into the camera while staring directly like into your eyes it's a really weird experience but I think it kind of like it immerses you in I don't know like the shiny romance of it all and like you know everyone in this drama is so fucking beautiful like they really are and so you've got all these mad like close-ups of them like just staring directly in the camera and like I don't know. That was fucking hard for me to resist. I really loved it. Um, and it also just makes you, I don't know, feel like you can feel the emotions of the other characters too. Um, you know, like you, someone like, yeah, just, I guess, you know, the whole, the confessions or someone's heartbreaking and they just, you see it on their face while they're staring at you. So I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I wonder, cause it's not something that I've seen a lot in dramas. I think that those kind of, like angles. And yeah, I really, really liked it. But at the same time, I don't know, is it, is it like, um, what's the word? Like, uh, a gimmick? Is that like, I don't know. It didn't feel like that. It felt really nice. I really liked it. I noticed it. Um, I had seen that in another K-drama, um, Scarlet Heart Row, which is like that, um, kind of sweeping historical romance with Lee Ki and IU from a few years ago um hello cat uh which I really liked and that one had again those kind of like real close up staring into the camera shots um which I don't remember being like I liked it because everyone's beautiful in that drama again but I don't remember being like quite as charmed as I was in this. I just felt like it was so effective in this drama for, you know, whatever reason. My cat is actually sitting on top of my notes. I'm just going to keep going. She's sitting on top of the second page and not the first page of my notes. So I guess I can still talk. Oh, silly thing. Um, <laughs> Sorry, getting distracted. Uh, so yes, I loved it. I've written here the full-on headshots makes it feel like everyone loves you, as in the watcher of the drama. They're confessing to you, not each other. <laughs> it's kind of like um, uh, my, my, my dream of, well, I was going to say being in a K-drama, but I can't act, so that's actually not my dream. I actually can't think of anything more horrific than me trying to act in a K-drama. So we'll move on there. <laughs> um, so I've said here that I really liked the romance. I felt like it was very sweet and very believable. There was some great kiss scenes, like proper kiss scenes um, that felt like very like, you know, either very sweet and romantic or very passionate or a little bit sexy. I really, really liked them. I thought they did a good job with, I guess, just the chemistry. I really do think our leads had a lot of chemistry and I wanted them. I really, really wanted to smush their heads together and make them be together. So, yeah, I really liked the romance. Um, as I mentioned before, I was quite taken um, by the second male lead, um, played by the actor. Oh, the cat's on my mouse. Come on. <laughs> I managed to move it slightly from under her furry belly. <laughs> um, by the actor Bae and hyuk. So, uh, Bae Yong hyuk plays a character called uh, Sonu. So, Sonu is the second male lead. Um, I found him really interesting, and I felt like. Look, I don't, this is really hard because I really liked the, you know, the main male lead, the actor Jung Yong. I, I really liked him. I really liked his character. I really liked the romance. I was fully behind it, but I have to say, I didn't feel, this is for my stuff I didn't love, but I'm talking about it now. Um, I didn't feel like there was a huge amount of depth to his character. Like he's supposed to, You know, he obviously grows and becomes a human and lets in humanity. But at the same time, I don't know that I got this huge sense of growth about him realistically throughout the narrative of the story in the same way then I want to say that I did get from the second male lead who I thought was really interesting. Uh, He really, I don't know, if you've ever watched a lot of, say, American (laughs) rom-coms, like, you know, romantic comedy movies, which I used to watch a lot of before I discovered K-drama and realized that K-drama was literally life and I didn't need anything else at all. Um, But a lot of those like, kind of older American rom-coms that I used to watch when I was a kid, um, you know, if there was a love triangle and a second male lead in those, I remember it would always is quite often they would end with the second male lead sort of saying something like, it's fine, go off and be with your love. Like, I've realized through loving you that I can be a better person now. Like, I've grown, so it was a worthwhile experience for me, but don't worry about me now. Like, I'm all good. So I felt like this second male lead in this drama of Sonu, his character, was basically that, except done, like, for real. So you actually feel like this man even though he's experienced intense heartbreak because he's fallen in love with Edam and he, you know, she's completely and utterly uninterested in this man in all ways. You actually feel like he experiences such an extreme amount of growth and change because he fell in love with her. And as a result of the interactions that they have, that he will literally be a better man because of it, even though he's going to be sad. So yeah, I found that really interesting because I felt like that's kind of a trope that I've seen so much with, you know, those kind of love triangles. Um, But in this one, yeah, it just, I really felt it. I felt him becoming different. So I guess Sonu, you know, he's, he's a dude from uni, And he's kind of comes back. I don't know if he was at Army or he was somewhere else, whatever. He kind of swans in and he's like the coolest dude in school. Everyone's like, oh, he's so handsome. He is really handsome. (laughs) So I got why they said that, but they didn't need to scream it in public the way that they did. Um, So anyway, he's swanning around campus because he he's, you can tell he's bought into the myth of himself. Like he believes he's as great and fantastic as everyone else says he is. Um, and literally the only person on campus that wants nothing to do with him, of course, um, you know, this is a trope, is Ida. Um, But this is because uh, while, you know, the Gumiho's little weird bead thing is in Idam's stomach. She's actually like, if she touches a dude who was born in the year of the tiger, I think it is, um, she, she gets really sick really straight away because she can't like handle the energy or something. So Sonu's born in that year and she absolutely refuses to let him touch her. So they meet with basically him kind of saying, oh, you've, you've dropped your cardigan. And she's just so fucking weird about it. She's like, oh, put it on the floor and I'll like come and get it and don't touch me. And so like him, it's just that whole like boys over flowers thing where Jandy kicks Pyo in the face and suddenly he's in love because no one's ever kicked him in the face before. And it's that same, like, you know, I know that's super tropey, but the exact same thing happens with Sonu. He's just like, this girl's weird. Like, how interesting. Um, So, he just starts getting to know her more because she's so weird and she keeps rejecting him because she doesn't want to go on dates with him. And he, like, fucking hell, at the start of the drama, I have to say, like, he comes on way too strong. Like, this is a dude who's clearly used to girls fawning all over him. Like, it's not attractive. He's just way too, like, kind of aggressively flirty for me. Um, But... So yeah, he's, he's like, he's not, he's very smug. He's not super likable at the start, but he keeps hitting on her like hardcore just over and over and over. And eventually it's this crazy thing where Edam's like, okay, like I'm going to kind of agree to go on a date with this guy because she doesn't want to outrightly reject him because she's afraid he's going to start rumors about her. And I was like, Dude, this guy must be awful. Like this university is awful. Everyone is awful. But I do know this kind of stuff happens and there is this kind of culture that exists in a lot of, you know, educational, you know, institutions and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of found the exploration of that kind of culture really interesting. Particularly, I think, because I don't think Sonu, he doesn't realize what a douche he is, but he, he kind of does. He really suffers in this drama as he begins to realize that he's a bit of a dick, um, which I thought was interesting. Um But anyway, uh, Idam decides she does have to go out on these dates with this guy, but she's just going to be fucking weird as hell and just turn him off so that he'll get over her and be less interested in her. But of course it doesn't work because even when Idam is trying to be her weirdest and she was being pretty weird and he was even like, this is pretty weird. She's still so fucking charming that she just like knocked his socks off. If that's the thing you can say, (laughs) where did his socks go? I don't know, (laughs) somewhere else. Um, And there's also this absolutely, I just loved it. I thought it was very funny. So when Edam first moves into the Gumiho's, you know, beautiful, pristine house, she, you know, she sends him out on this big mission to get her food. She's like gone to the toilet. Um, And, you know, in K-dramas, because there's so much poo humor, she does big poo, and then it won't flush. And it's like the toilet's clogged. And, you know, I'm not super into poo jokes. Like, it's not super my thing, but I actually thought this one was quite funny um, because she's kind of, like, getting all these texts at this time. Like, she's sent off the ho. She's like, please go get me this really weird food from a weird place because she just doesn't want him to come home. She's so embarrassed to tell him about this. But she's got Sonu, the second male lead, like, constantly texting her and being like, why aren't you texting me back? Like, let's go on a date. Let's hang out. I love you. He doesn't say that, but you get the general gist. And Edam because she's so uninterested in him, she's just basically like, my toilet's clogged. <laughs> Can you please help me? How do you unclog a toilet? And he's just like, again, he's just so caught off balance. Like, this is not the normal sort of flirting behavior that he's used to. Um, so Sonu kind of ends up calling her and like, talking her through how to unclog poop from her toilet and then, you know, he gets off the phone and she's real excited and sends him a text and he's like, it worked, yay. And he's just like sitting there and he's like real like shocked and he's kind of like, huh, like her toilet really was clogged like it wasn't a ploy it was just it was a thing that happened it's so weird and so like there's all these moments with him where you're like yeah it does not start off well like he makes a bet with his friends for like a hundred bucks that he can get with Dam, even though you know Dom has basically rejected everyone at uni and doesn't date anyone at uni which I can see why because they're all douches um so he's like he's not a good dude but you can see this progression of as he falls in love with her basically um and then there's just these amazing Amazing scenes which I really loved where it comes out that this is what he did he bet money on her like and she hates him after that she never really she doesn't really forgive him at any point she doesn't really get over it she's so uninterested in him but we go through like this progression I suppose of seeing his heartbreak and also his personal growth realistically as he realizes that you know yeah, maybe he didn't always say something, you know, he didn't interject and, you know, join in the conversations Whether I think they were, his friends were rating her about her looks or something really awful like that. Just really crass, gross stuff that they're saying about girls and damn particularly. And, you know, Sonu's kind of like, but I didn't say anything. And Dam is the one who has to tell him like, but you stood there and listen, like that's the same fucking thing. Um, so I really liked all that stuff. I thought it was done really well. And I liked, I liked. Oh, it sounds weird to say. I did like. I liked the consequences for Sonu, even though, like, I really liked him. He's so handsome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, there's a part of me that was like, oh, I would have liked them to get together, but not really. Like, realistically, Idam and the Gumiho are perfect. It was only ever going to be them. Like, I. It's totally obvious that where her feelings lie, and also why. Um, it made a lot of sense that romance, but at the same time I felt very, very sucked into Sonu's whole unrequited love thing. I guess that's a thing for me though. Unrequited love is just one of those tropes that murders my heart. And particularly if it's like a dude who's all unrequited love for a girl and he doesn't get her and he's all heartbroken and you know he's staring directly into the camera and directly into my eyes eyes while his heart is breaking. Like, I guess that's just what I cannot resist. <laughs> At least I know myself and you know, I've publicly declared my embarrassment isn't that great. Um I've I've literally written all the shots of Sonu's heartbroken face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was pretty full on. Um so There was this really cool thing, I think, um, most six, uh, not most, a lot of 16 episode rom-coms for me, they get to this point three quarters of the way through where they run out of story and they spin their wheels. This drama did not, for me, I felt like it just chugged right on through. And I think that they had this, they managed to introduce some really, really interesting kind of twists, I think, um. So there's two particularly uh, that I'm thinking of. And the first one is probably when, you know, the Gumiho Uyo finally realizes he's like really does care about Idam and he doesn't want her to die from wasting away from the bead. So, you know, he takes her out for a nice day and then basically to take the bead off her, he has to kiss her, but it also wipes her memory. So to save her life, he's giving her up and he's very super sad about it. So it's this great kind of... I guess, new plot development, which means that her memories are wiped or, you know, so he thinks, um, and you know, they don't know each other anymore, or at least they're pretending not to. So I don't know. It just adds this whole like level of new, fresh way for them to interact that I think really kept the pacing going and kept things moving forward. And then the second interesting thing that happened was with uh, the second male lead, Sonu, um, is this weird like mountain spirit dude who keeps turning up and just I don't know stir in the pot or whatever, and he kind of changes Edam's fate so that Sonu is her soulmate and they're both tied together by red string on their little fingers, which is just one of those things from dramas that I fucking love. I think it's so cool. And you, know, no one can see the red string except for um, the Gumiho Uyo, and eventually Idam can see it. But this idea that you know she's so uninterested in Sonu, but he's completely totally in love with her, but then they're tied together by this red string, which means that if they went that way, like if Idam allowed herself to go that way, and she does have some moments of like heart fluttering and stuff, um, they would be happy. They're actually meant to be. And I thought that was such a good, like late stage sort of, um, conflict to add into what's keeping this happy couple from just being together, you know? So yeah, I really loved all the drama that the red string kind of uh kind of inserted into the romance and I thought it was a really clever way to kind of bring Sonu into the drama because prior to that point, I don't think that he really had any proper impact on the romance. He was just sort of like running around on the outskirts and you know, having his own personal growth story, I suppose. But this is a point where his his presence actually impacts the romance. And I thought it was introduced in a really interesting way and quite a lot later than that normally would be in a drama. And I just thought it kept things rolling and was really cool. So yeah, I really loved that. I thought that was really fun. I also just love like all these scenes of like Idam's going somewhere, but you see like the little red string tugging and something, you know, destiny, fate will in like intervene and suddenly she's face to face with Sonu again in some weird circumstances. And I thought that was really fun as well. And it's kind of fun to think, you know, that her destined soulmate isn't the male lead. And then she's got to fight to, you know, choose love over destiny and actually pick the man that she loves. I thought that was really fun too. Um, so I've said I really quite liked the memory wipe fake out. So I thought that was a really believable misunderstanding that it lasts so long between Gumio, who thinks he's wiped Edam's memories, and Edam, who's pretending that He has because she feels so hurt by his very inhuman treating of her By because, you know, she's kind of realised that he was just using her as a little human sandwich living in his house and he's, you know, she's fairly upset about it. Uh, and other stuff I liked, I've said that I really liked the side character. So I loved her friends. I loved her brother. So that's Edam's friends and brother. And I also really, I haven't talked about, um, Son, but I really liked Son in this. I thought she was, so that's the second female lead who used to be a Gomiho and is just very clueless and very funny and charming and has a love line, um, with Edam's best friend, Jin. So I really loved all that. It was really fun. All right. So now I'll talk about some of the stuff that I didn't love quite as much. All right so stuff that I didn't love as much about my roommate is a gummy hoe. Ah uh, this is so silly I don't even know why it bothered me. Um uh, probably it's not anything that even matters at all, but there's this is scene where Idam and Gumiho are uh, yo 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 yeah are like hanging out in her house, and they're like you know lying on her bed, and she's showing the Gumiho guy all her you know, baby photos and stuff, and he's just like. I was never a baby. I was never young. I've always been like this. Like I was just I just appeared like this. And I was like, whoa, it was like, I don't know. It was like my brain just like exploded. I was like, whoa, what? So I feel like this must be one of those. And it's never mentioned again in the drama. And Edam wasn't surprised. So I can only guess that this must just be this just must be Gumiho lore. It must be how it is in the myths and, you know, the legends from history. This must be common knowledge. But at the same time, I'm sure that I read a book about a Gumiho that had a Gumiho mom that had her as the Gumiho baby when she grew up and she was a teen. So anyway, I don't know, but I thought that was weird. (laughs) I don't even know why I thought it was so weird, but it was weird. There you go. Um, So something else that I was like, Meh, whatever, was at the start of the drama There's like all these like, ladies getting murdered really like fucking brutally in the background every now and then. And it would just like happen so not often that by the time it happened again, you'd be like, what? In this drama, in this cute, fun drama, like I can't believe they just bloody, brutally murdered ladies everywhere. But there's like a couple of shots where they're trying to pretend that it's like Gumiho Uyo and they're like, oh, look at him coming back from somewhere late at night like and you're just like as if like it's it's barely given any screen time so it's just so unlikely that it's him and then it's like a little ghost evil ghost thing and it's taking people's faces and then he just fights it and then he beats it and then that's that (laughs) and I was like that's, I don't know, it just sort of fizzles out. It doesn't matter because it doesn't matter in the show. Like, it's just, it didn't even need to be in there because, or, you know, it could have, it either needs to be more and given more and actually be a real danger, or I think it needs to be completely withdrawn, <laughs> Um, was my opinion anyway. But it didn't really matter either way. Although I did think it was really weird because the reason that Gumiho Uyo realizes that this ghost is, like, attacking people close to him and wearing his face is because um, he gets a call from his publishers and the publishers are like, hey, just letting you know, just a heads up. But a detective is coming to talk to you um, because he's talking to everyone as a suspect around this case. And so, I mean, I could only presume that the police had started to like, I don't know, close in on Gumiho Uyo, but then like within the next scene, he's he's just beat the spirit and it's all good. And then it's weird too, because the whole thing is like, the spirit used to, is evil, is turned evil because it was a Gumiho that lived for a thousand years. And after a thousand years, I felt like it wasn't fully explained. Like if you don't become human, sometimes they're like, you're going to disappear. And other times they're like, you're going to turn fucking evil and murder everybody. And I was like, but but which one is it? I don't know. Um, And it also, I was kind of like, well, why did this old, um, you know, white wearing mountain spirit played by the actor Go-Gong-Pyo allow this other Gumiho lady to turn into a mad evil monster? And yet is, is really putting in quite a lot of time and work to make sure that Gumiho Uyo doesn't turn into a mad monster. But also what a silly thing for me to get hung up on about or even worry about. It really didn't matter. Um, I thought that the whole mountain spirit thing, other than the fact that it was a cameo by, you know, an actor that we all know and like, was kind of weird. I thought it was kind of weird. Um, I just felt like he'd just sort of turn up and he'd pull some strings. Sometimes he'd do something interesting, like, you know, um, attach a red string of destiny between Sonu and Edam, and then other times he'd turn up and he'd just be like, a weird cute cat and stare at them through a window. And I just felt like, I guess I want to say that for a drama that's kind of about, you know, humanity and, and can this Gumiho become a human? And if he doesn't, he's going to fucking die there wasn't like a lot of stakes, I suppose. And every now and then it was like stakes, high stakes would be introduced. And then within, I felt like two seconds, they'd just sort of unravel and kind of amount to nothing. Which again, it doesn't really matter, but like, I don't know, <laughs> the whole becoming human thing just sort of felt like it sort of just fizzled out. Like he was clearly well on his way to becoming human. He was nearly there. He was really happy. Everything was going great. And then we kind of find out the mountain spirit arranged for him to start disappearing because he wanted to see whether Gumiho Uyo would like sacrifice himself for his lady love basically. And then he wanted to see if his lady love would like wait for him forever or a few days or something. And I was like, this makes no sense. Because when Herson becomes a gomi we don't actually ever find out what it was that tipped her over the edge four years ago. We know that back in the Josen time, she experienced love and, you know, he died and she was really upset. And we know that she's had her heart broken by love many, many times over many years. But is that what humanity, like, is that what makes you human? I don't know. I don't really know. So I felt like, you know, sometimes you watch a show and it has mythology and lore and it sets up kind of rules that are rules within the universe of that show. And it feels solid and it feels like a lived in world. And, you know, for instance, I'm thinking of something like um, Hotel de Luna, which has the maddest Shit in it, like myth and magic and stuff, but it feels like a solid thing with actions and consequences and things like that. Was this one, I don't know. And it, I, I guess the whole point of My Roommate is a Gumiho is that it is a fun, cute romance, and that is exactly what it gave us. It gave us you know, really fizzy, fun characters, a beautiful romance that felt really solid. And just that's what the drama is. It's not anything other than that. So I think when I'm talking about this stuff, it's like I'm trying to, I don't know, grasp onto things that just aren't there. And that's not the kind of show this is, I don't think, for me personally. Um... Oh and so one of the last things that I guess I wasn't super super keen on um but I think this is like I think this is a personal taste kind of thing um but for me when you know our gumiho dude kind of turns up as a lecturer at the university as a professor like I didn't mind at all that he was kind of doing that except I do kind of feel the whole student professor thing you know I know they're all adults so it's fine and you know he's only a thousand years older than her. So it's totally fine. But I just like kind of put a weird, I don't know if it's just a thing, like a personal taste thing for me, but it feels like there's a weird kind of power imbalance with that just because someone is a teacher with authority, someone who, you know, in the world of the university is, 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 Very much so considered an accomplished adult and she is still, you know, a student who is working through her life and trying to figure things out. Um, And it kind of put like kind of a funny sort of kind of imbalance to what to their relationship for me personally, I think watching that section that I really didn't feel at all when they're just, you know, cutely living together. I felt like they were very much on the same level during all, you know, the house scenes and stuff, which I totally adored. Um, so it was kind of a weird one because I kind of love the idea that, you know, she's forgotten him or she's pretending to forget him and he can't let her go, but he thinks she, she can't remember. And, you know, his only way of staying close to her is to turn up at university. So it's kind of like, I like the setup, but then I kind of didn't love just that for me personally, weird imbalance that I felt like that led to. But at the same time, like it's not a big issue, but it wasn't my favorite part of the romance. I guess I much preferred the cohabitation hijinks kind of stuff was super, super fun. Um, so one thing that I think I kind of mentioned a little bit before is I do feel like um the lead role, like Jung Kyung, um, his character of the Gumiho Uyo, I do feel like he was slightly underdeveloped. It didn't actually bother me at all. I really liked him. But when I think about him, I feel like I don't know him as much as I know Edam, and I know her friend, like, Jejin, or maybe even heson yeah, or, you know, Sonu, like, I feel like he was the character that almost in some ways got less characterization, but he's, but it, I don't know, it's not something that really bothered me when I was watching, and it. it's more just something that I think about afterwards, and I'm like, huh, Yeah. But at the time when you're watching it, you know, he's just very charming. It's very funny because he's so disconnected. And I think that's kind of played as quite a bit of comedy. And it's, I don't know, it worked. So it's nothing really for me to complain about at all. But I guess I felt like the whole turning human thing. And it was just felt a little bit easy, like not quite as heavy as it could have. Um, But that's, you know, that's totally fine um one thing i thought was kind of weird that i didn't totally love but also i didn't really mind and it didn't matter was um other best friend su gyeong um she kind of has this thing she keeps hinting like oh i've got a secret i've got a secret like there's only one person who knows my secret and then her secret is that she used to have a crush on jejin and it everyone's like yeah whatever who cares and she's like yeah, whatever, who cares? But like just before that, she'd been all like, I don't know, sad about it in the hallway. So I felt like that was a total fake out and I could have done without, but also I didn't really care. Uh, so, oh, and then I, yeah, no, that's it. That's actually it on my my list. So for the end of the drama, I think I've already talked about the end because I think I pretty much talked about that at the very start. <laughs> um, The end for me was, it was everything that I wanted by this point, you know, like I, I wasn't really expecting anything, you know, beyond a bit of cute fluff and them getting back together. Although I have to say um, seeing Idam kind of mourning, like grieving the fact that as far as she knows, Gumiho Uyo is gone. Like he's literally ceased to exist. And actually I loved that whole thing of seeing his hands like disappearing and you see his photos start disappearing and you see – particularly like the books that he's written disappear, because it never occurred to me that by him disappearing, that meant that traces of him in the world would disappear. Um, And I think that's so, I don't know, it's so scary. Like what's worse than dying is ceasing to exist. The people that loved you forgetting that you were real. Like that's literally fucking awful. It's the worst thing I could think of. Um so again, I feel like it was this very interesting idea that wasn't like explored in the way that it could have been. And I guess I'm thinking of something like uh the K drama from quite a while ago called Queen Union's Man, which is another fantasy romance that Deals with like some of like well some of the separation things I suppose that this one does at the end of like we can't be together and you know memory and memory loss and all this kind of stuff and that's a real zingy rom com as well but my gosh does it get deep and dark and emotional at the end in a way that just breaks your heart in a good way because spoiler alert for Queen Injun's Man which came out many years ago there is a happy ending so by the time you get this happy ending I know a lot of people might not agree because there's some stuff with that ending. But for me personally, so satisfying. Like I felt like the characters went through, you know, some agony and they deserved this happy ending. So I felt so satisfied. Um, whilst, and, you know, it felt so much more romantic. Whilst I think in this drama, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, because I just didn't, you know, I wasn't really expecting any proper, uh, any proper heavy kind of emotional stuff at the end. Although it was very sad seeing Idam, you know, crying and grieving. Although I feel like the drama kind of made it out like days and days had passed. And yet her friends are like, hey, where's Edom?" Like, I don't know. And I'm like, how long has it been? Have they not called her? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I said a lot. I said too much. Um, so just to finish up, I guess um, I just want to say, how cool would it be? Like all those flashback scenes of Gumiho Uyô, like during the Imjin War and his cool like magistrate outfit, like fighting against the samurai warrior is like invading from Japan. And I was like, I'd fucking watch that show. (laughs) A sweeping fantasy romance, historical, like I'm all over that shit, but also it doesn't exist. So that's really sad. Um, But seriously, like warrior had Josen dudes in magistrate outfits with swords covered in blood is just like, Totally my thing. <laughs> Which does not say anything good about me, probably. Um, so anyway, I I highly recommend like for a rom com if you're in the mood for a beautiful, charming, fun, and gorgeous rom com, um, that you're gonna care about the characters, you're gonna care about the romance, um, and that's you know, pretty fucking solid the whole way through. I know I complained a bit, but realistically, I think a lot of that stuff is more like hindsight stuff. I think when you're watching it, it's just charming and it works. Um, So yeah, that's it from me on My Roommate is a hoe, which I really, really loved. me to the very end of this week's episode. Thank you all so very much for tuning in this week. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Thank you all. Um, But also a very special thank you to those people who have decided to support the show on patreon you guys are the best um, and also a very special shout out and thank you this week to new patreon supporter deborah montgomery thank you so much deborah it's very lovely to have you on patreon um, if anyone does want to check out patreon you can there's extra episodes and lots of random stuff on there pretty much um, and I really really hope that you guys will all tune in again next week. It's season finale week next week so it will be the last episode um, for a short while. I just to well, take a little break but next week will be a guest gabble, and I am super super excited about this one. It is also episode 100 so that's a big deal for me um, and I really want to celebrate it in style and I've got something I think a really cool episode in style for next week. Uh, so that's it from me for this week. Um, I hope everyone has a lovely week going forward. And until next week, um, when hopefully you will tune back in, this is Lee Evie. Goodbye, everybody. Over and out.